Every corner of the digital universe. You can instant link to the internet. I'm Stravi Mailer, E3 video phone. Technology called eye smell. Smelling mold and mildew and animals. Man, I gotta smell the swamp today. Welcome to Water Cooled Potato, your guide to the obsolete and absurd tech of the past, present, and future. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And today we'll be talking about the Samsung Galaxy Note 7. Hmm. This one's a bit more recent than most of our topics. It's a little different, too. In this case, it's more of an engineering failure than a stupid product or marketing disaster. <laughs> oh, and Samsung, please don't sue us. All right, here we go. Back to 2016. It's August 2nd, and Samsung has just unveiled the Galaxy Note 7. Mm -hmm. The Note 7 is notable for several reasons. Its name alone is somewhat interesting. The Galaxy Note line had always been one version number behind the Galaxy S line. Oh. For example, the Note 5 and S6 were released the same year. To reduce confusion and prevent consumers from thinking that the Note line was somehow inferior because of the lower <laughs> number, Samsung decided to skip the Note 6 entirely, jumping straight from 5 to 7. Okay. The Note 7 is also the first Samsung phone with a USB Type-C connector. Oh. And it's the first in the Note line to feature IP68 water and dust resistance. Yay. I thought it was good to have. <laughs> yes. And it also brings back the micro SD card slot that was missing on the previous Note. Yay. I like micro SD cards. Yes. Very useful. The double-curved 1440p screen wraps across both edges, making it nearly bezel-less on the sides. It's equipped with a Snapdragon 820, 4GB of RAM, and 64 gigs of internal storage on the base model. That's pretty good. It also includes various gimmicks and a massive 3500mAh mm -hmm. battery. Overall, a very solid device for 2016. And all for just $850. Wow, I forgot how expensive it was at first. Yeah, now it doesn't seem like quite as much because we have plenty of phones that are over $1,000, but at the time that was very expensive. This was before the $1,000 iPhones. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-orders opened the next day on August 3rd, and demand was overwhelming. Samsung received a record-breaking 200,000 pre-orders wow. in South Korea alone in just the first 48 hours. Wow. Canadian pre-orders were outstanding, and U.S. pre-orders were strong, too. In fact, the high number of pre-orders caused delayed release in some regions. <laughs> mm -hmm. The Note 7 was launched worldwide on August 19th. Overall, it was a wild success. It was praised for having good build quality, HDR support, a cleaner UI, <clears throat> Samsung TouchWiz, although it was <laughs> criticized for its relatively high price of $850, oh. and hmm. for the fact that the S Pen stylus felt a bit cheap for something that cost $850. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, it's just a stylus. Right, although if you're paying $850, yeah. <laughs> you would sure expect that everything feels solid and well-built. Mm -hmm. That 
wasn't the only things wrong with the device, though. I was going to say, if that's the only thing, then that is not worthy of this show. Just seven days later, oh no! on August 24th, a Galaxy Note 7 caught fire and exploded in South Korea. Oh, that's right! The exploding phone! Yes! Later that day, <laughs> another Note 7 exploded in China. Did it, like, literally explode? We'll get to that. Oh boy. The cause of this critical failure was the battery. Mm-hmm. Let's stop here for a minute and talk about exactly what happened and why. Yeah. These batteries were manufactured by Samsung SDI, Samsung's own internal battery division. Oh boy. In addition to phone batteries, they also produce cells for use in electric cars, including the BMW i3. Huh. In 2015 and 2016, they designed and manufactured batteries for the Galaxy Note 7. To understand exactly what went wrong with the batteries, we need to know a little bit about the basics of how a battery works. Mm -hmm. It gets a bit complicated, but I'll do my best. Every battery has three basic parts. An anode, a cathode, and an electrolyte separator between them. A chemical reaction causes the anode to become negatively charged, and the cathode becomes positively charged. The electrolyte separator prevents them from touching, but allows ions to travel between the anode and cathode. The anode is the negative end of the battery, the cathode okay. is the positive end. The type of lithium battery used in phones consists of flat layers folded over. Think of it as a sandwich that's been folded over. One slice of bread is the anode, the filling is the electrolyte separator, and the other slice is the cathode. If you need more power, you take a long strip, fold it back and forth, Oh. The stack of cells is then sealed inside of a pouch, and a small protection circuit is connected between the output of the battery and the phone to prevent overcharging, over-discharging, and protect against short circuits. Here's the important thing. The anode and cathode can't touch. Mm -hmm. If they do, it creates a short circuit, rapidly releasing the stored energy as heat. When that happens... Other parts of the battery begin to melt, more places touch, it starts on fire, it all melts down. It's a catastrophic chain reaction, like dominoes falling, except they start on fire when they fall. This is called thermal runaway, and if you want to see what it looks like, just search YouTube. There's plenty of videos of people stabbing batteries <laughs> with a knife. Mm-hmm, and a lot of other ways. Yeah. It can happen with pretty much any battery, and that's why manufacturers are very, very careful to make sure the anode and cathode don't touch. Mm -hmm. But in this case, Samsung SDI messed up. Big time! The outer pouch that the battery's layers are sealed inside was made too small. So when the battery layers were crammed into the pouch and vacuum sealed, the layers in the top right corner were smashed and bent over. Oh. The layers were extremely close to touching each other, but not quite. Oh. When a lithium battery is charged and discharged, it expands and contracts very, very slightly. Mm -hmm. This is completely normal and is accounted for when designing the battery. Mm -hmm. But in this case, the repeated expansion and contraction would eventually cause the already dangerously close layers to touch, and when this happened, the battery would short internally causing the previously described thermal runaway. Mm -hmm. This is what caused the two Note 7s to explode on August 24th. And just to be clear, calling what happened an explosion is an exaggeration. <laughs> More like a sudden cloud of smoke and a jet of flames shooting out of the mm -hmm. device. 
Which still obviously isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> but they weren't detonating like grenades. Yeah, no. <laughs> but saying they exploded definitely mm-hmm. is a better headline than phone shoots fire and smoke. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Samsung declined to give an official response to these reports. However, a Samsung representative did say that, quote, it is common that burning accidents happen, and the reason is that the user didn't use an original charger. Really? There are so many things wrong with that. Uh... First off, this definitely seems like a response just meant to avoid taking responsibility and attempting to blame malfunctions mm-hmm. on the user, something Apple has had a tendency to do in the past. Secondly, using a non-original charger should not cause a phone to start on fire. First, assuming that the USB port complies with USB standards, any USB cable of the same type should work mm-hmm. with the port, and it should accept an input of 5 volts DC. The USB standard is a standard for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> the only possible situation where a charger should cause something like this is if the charger is of incredibly low quality and its output is all over the place, spiking well above 5 volts. However, most phones have a protection circuit that will prevent the phone from charging in this case, and an investigation later proved that the Note 7 did contain proper input protection. Mm, good. So this excuse is nothing but a line of pure BS. <laughs> Seven days later, someone in South Korea posted on social media about their Note 7 starting on fire. Yay. This time, Samsung finally decided they needed to take action. So they paid the person to delete the post and stop talking about it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Later that day, Samsung decided to delay shipments to South Korea while they tried to figure out what the heck was happening. On September 2nd, Samsung's CEO apologized to the world and announced a global recall of all Note 7 devices. Over the next 10 days, Samsung worked frantically to find a new source of safe batteries to use in the devices that were still being manufactured Mm -hmm. and that would be sent out as replacements. Meanwhile, things got even worse for Samsung, and more phones burst into flames. On September 5th, a Note 7 exploded in Australia at a hotel. On the 8th, the FAA advised passengers to turn off Note 7s before (laughs) going anywhere near an airplane. That makes sense. On the 9th, Samsung finally stopped sales of the Note 7 in the US. Although, I kind of doubt anyone was still buying them at this point because of the whole exploding phone thing being all over the news. Yeah, definitely. Every news outlet that covers tech and a good number that Mm -hmm. normally don't were having a heyday. PR nightmare doesn't even begin to describe what Samsung was facing. Mm -hmm. And of course, the internet was having fun too. Oh, the memes, right? The memes and jokes came rolling in. One tweet pointed out that Samsung had given a new meaning to having the hottest product on the market. (laughs) That's pretty good. On September 12th, the Note 7 was officially recalled by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. They warned anyone with a Note 7 to turn them off immediately, set them down, and back away slowly. Yeah, good idea. Affected customers, which was all of them, could send their Note 7 back to Samsung, and exchange it for a new model that used safe batteries sourced from a new manufacturer. That new manufacturer was Contemporary Amperex Technologies, or ATL. ATL specializes in lithium battery manufacturing and battery management systems. Hmm. They are also one of Apple's suppliers for iPhone batteries. 
the new safe models would be distinguished by clearly marked boxes and a green battery indicator in the status bar. And the interesting thing about the green indicator in the status bar is that normally, to comply with Google's guidelines for the use of Android, all status bar icons need to be oh. white. So Samsung had to get special permission mm -hmm. from Google to make this change. On the same day, Samsung announced that it would push a software update to devices in South Korea that would prevent the devices from charging above 60%. Theoretically, that would reduce the chances of more fires. In the US, Verizon issued an update which would display a recall notice. According to Samsung, 50% of users in the U.S. returned their devices to exchange them for a new one. Only 50? Only 50. Oh no. But, at this point, things were starting to look a little better for Samsung. Sure, they'd created the deadliest smartphone in history, but the exchange program was in full swing. Unsafe phones were being replaced, and sales of new devices with safe batteries continued, although probably rather slowly. Mm -hmm. By September 29th, more than 1 million safe devices were in use worldwide. Dang. But then, on October 4th, a Kentucky man was hospitalized for smoke inhalation after his Note 7 caught fire in the middle of the night. The owner also claimed to have received a strange message from Samsung customer service. Quote, Just got this. I can try and slow him down if we think it will matter. Or we just let him do what he keeps threatening to do, and see what? if he does it. Yeah. I don't know what to think of that. It clearly doesn't sound like the message was intended for him. How did he receive it, though? Like, through text or through the phone? Text message. Claimed it was a text message from Samsung customer service. Just a claim, though, so we don't really know. Okay. The next day, on October 5th, a Southwest Airlines flight was evacuated when a Note 7 began smoking and popping. Yay! On the 7th, another device caught fire while in the hands of a 13-year-old Minnesota girl. Oh. They should have exchanged their phones oh. for a safe replacement, right? They did. These oh. devices were all safe models. Oh, no. In their rush to produce batteries for Samsung, ATL seems to have cut some corners or just gotten plain careless. In the new safe ATL batteries, the spot welding joint that attaches the positive electrode left a sharp point that could touch the negative side of the battery, causing, guess what? Short circuit and thermal runaway. Yay. And to make it even better, some of these batteries were found to be completely missing a piece of insulation tape under the positive tab, making short circuits even more likely. It just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm not a battery expert, but any missing pieces is probably a bad idea. Yeah, probably. <laughs> At this point, Samsung was probably in a panic. They had created not one, but two exploding phones. Yeah. And the replacements <laughs> that they had promised were safe clearly weren't. Yay. They finally halted sales worldwide on the 10th, and the next day announced that they were permanently ceasing production of new units. All Note 7 owners were asked to return their devices for a refund. Since these devices were clearly prone to starting on fire, Samsung had to create a special three-layer fire-resistant box for returning the phones. <laughs> That's not going to be cheap. The British Royal Mail 
refused to ship Note 7s entirely, fireproof box or not. <laughs> and they weren't alone. At least one other company refused to ship Note 7s eBay began taking down listings for the Note 7. <laughs> and on October 14th, the FAA officially banned the Note 7 from being carried on board all flights. Good idea. Yes, I'm actually surprised it took that long. <sighs> on an interesting side note, in December, a flight was nearly diverted halfway to its destination because someone noticed a Wi-Fi hotspot with the SSID Samsung Galaxy Note 7 underscore 1097. However, it turned out that there wasn't a Note 7 on board, and someone just thought it would be funny to rename their hotspot. I assume they had a long talk with a TSA officer later. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't joke with that stuff on plates. Yeah. In December 2016, Samsung issued a software update to the remaining devices in the U.S. that would, quote, eliminate their ability to work as mobile devices by not allowing them to charge. Verizon refused to distribute the destructive update, and then did so anyway. <laughs> okay. I don't know what I think of this. You could argue that they were just doing what they thought was necessary to prevent more people from being injured in fires. However... They have sold you the device, they don't own it anymore, and do they really have a right to disable it at that point? Hmm. So you mentioned before that there was there was an update that would max it at 60%. Would that have been effective or no? Well, that was only deployed in South Korea, and it may have been somewhat effective. Limiting it to only 60% mm -hmm. would decrease the amount that the battery expands and contracts during charging and discharging mm. and the severity of the fire will depend on how much energy is currently stored in the battery a nearly dead battery will hardly do anything it'll still start on fire but not nearly as big of a fire as a fully charged battery mm. with my limited knowledge what i would have maybe suggested to do was like limit the battery charging to 40 or 50 percent but I'm, I'm not entirely sure that way you can still use the phone but also include a disclaimer that by using this the battery's at risk of being on fire and whatnot so that way my company can't get sued with my limited knowledge that's how i'd do it yeah i think completely blocking the devices from being able to charge may be a bit too far if someone really, really wants to carry around a potentially hazardous phone in their pocket, well, let them if they really want to. Yeah, just warn them, hey, it might explode. <laughs> yeah, and if you really want to carry an exploding phone, go for it. Just not on an airplane. Or a bus. They were also banned from buses in some areas. Good. We're finally nearing the end of this catastrophe. And the aftermath was rough for Samsung. Some said that if Samsung had just made the Note 7 with a removable battery, this all could have been avoided. Hmm. Maybe. Which, to some extent, is true, because people could have just removed the defective batteries, and mm -hmm. even after a second wave of defective batteries, users could easily replace their battery with a third, actually safe one. Although I kind of think that people's trust in samsung would mm -hmm. be pretty low after two batteries both 
being potentially hazardous. Yeah. In total, the failure of the Note 7 cost Samsung a whopping $17 billion. Wow. And it caused a 33% drop in profit for 2016. And I don't even know if that includes the lawsuits. The many, many, many lawsuits. <laughs> and all the class action suits. And people suing Samsung because Samsung wouldn't pay for damage caused by exploding Note 7s. Mm. It's also unclear exactly how many Note 7s caught on fire in total. Some sources say 35, others give numbers closer to 100. Knowing the exact number is probably near impossible, since I'm sure at least a few were never reported. And of course, mm. some people probably made up stories to get likes or views. Yeah. <laughs> After the recall, Samsung did extensive research to figure out exactly what went wrong with the batteries. After all, when you lose $17 billion, you want to make sure that it doesn't ever happen again. Mm -hmm. It's thanks to this research and the fact that Samsung made it public that I was able to find out exactly what happened with both failures. Mm -hmm. And an interesting fact, an important interesting fact about the first batch of batteries the samsung batteries were all defective oh. in the same way every single one ouch yes the second run not every single one was defective but a high enough number of them that these phones are dangerous in fact they were classified as a hazardous materials product or something like that <laughs> And after the recall, Samsung was left with about three and a half million exploding phones, packed full of the latest tech. What a waste. Originally, they weren't sure what to do with them, but they said they would recycle some parts and safely dispose of the rest. They insisted that they would not refurbish and sell them. However, nine months later, Samsung released the Galaxy Note Fan Edition which is definitely not a Note 7. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It featured a smaller battery, which didn't explode this time, and was mainly sold in Vietnam and South Korea. Okay. Yes. And if for some reason you really do want to get a Galaxy Note Fan Edition, you can find one on eBay for about $360. What? That much? Probably because they're hard to get, would be my guess. I don't know how many they refurbished, but definitely not all of them. Mm. Okay, so I understand that it's rare and it was only released in two countries, but this totally not a Note 7 has quite a bad history. I don't really care how rare something is, if it has a bad history... I personally wouldn't buy it, especially if it's electronics that are prone to explode. <laughs> well, some people really liked the Note 7. Mm. They thought it was an awesome phone, and they were devastated that they couldn't keep using it. So, I guess the name is appropriate. The only people who would buy it are fans who really liked that yeah. particular phone although by the time they re-released it nine months later 
it was probably not worth getting over the Note 8, which came out probably around the same time. I also find it interesting that they paid someone to mm -hmm. delete that post about the third explosion and just shut up about it and brush it under the rug. That, yeah. I mean, that can work, but you'd have to do that with every single person. And if one person says no, you wasted all your money. Yes, and the ethics of doing that are yeah highly questionable to say the least mm -hmm. i do kind of wonder how much they paid this person an undisclosed amount yeah <laughs> i want to apologize on behalf of both of us about uploading late because while i'm not trying to say this as an excuse but as the holidays were coming around, John and I had completely different schedules, and we weren't exactly very organized, which is why the podcast is uploaded so late. John, did you want to mention the new release times? Our normal Saturday morning upload schedule means that we have to be working on the episode throughout the week and have it finished by Friday night at the latest. This has become rather difficult lately, so we're changing our upload schedule to Monday mornings to allow us the weekend to work on new episodes. This new upload schedule won't affect the quality of our episodes. In fact, theoretically, it will improve it because it will help us find the time to make the episode better and not so rushed. And that gives you better content. So it's a win-win. We'd like to take a minute to thank our new Patreon supporter, Jay Wants a Cat. We hope you get a cat, Jay. I guess that concludes today's podcast. I think we better call it quits. Unless you have any last remarks, John? Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll see you on the 6th. Yep. Bye.